Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hi, I'm Colin Bruce from Dominion Lending Center's Mortgage Mentors. Over the years, we've helped a lot of clients going through a separation or divorce. Even if you don't have a separation agreement in place yet, I feel that's... We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 5.33 in Edmonton. It's Brendan Escott with you tonight because Bob and the Oilers took off to Seattle this afternoon in advance of tomorrow's game 2 p.m. puck drop on 6.30, Chad. Uh, quite a few of these Saturday matinees recently, and a couple more still to come. They've got Buffalo at 10.30 a week from tomorrow, and then Pittsburgh uh, 11 o'clock next Sunday. This Sunday, they've got Pittsburgh at home at 7 p.m., but uh, I don't want to confuse you too bad with all this. Uh, shouldn't be any confusion at all when you hear that some guests of Oilers now receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Tell Chris and Chef Altoff that Oilers now sent you. Okay, uh, it is a Friday night, so let's get right to it with daily face-offs Frank Saravalli brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Racing returning on May 4th at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino. For more, head to thehorses.com. A little too cold for them right now, uh, easy to suggest. But things are heating up on the NHL's trade market and particularly again with the Calgary Flames. We'll bring aboard Frank Saravalli right now. Frank, uh, what's going on with Jacob Markstrom huh. and is that door suddenly? suddenly open again i think it might be um look we know the new jersey devils have been after a goalie they're looking for stability in their crease and as i reported a couple weeks back the devils and flames were incredibly close and i believe had actually even agreed to some of the parameters of what a deal would look like and it just didn't get over the finish line now the belief at the time was that the the flames were and and one of the, the breakdowns in the trade was due to the idea that the flames would be retaining money on Markstrom. But it seems like that part has at least been alleviated from the devil's perspective. You saw they were involved in the retained salary transaction actually in the Tanev trade, which by the way, in parentheses would allow you to believe that the lines of communication have remained open between the Flames and Devils throughout this process. And then you hear Jacob Markstrom today express his frustration. And I just want to be absolutely clear that I don't think there's any issue between Jacob Markstrom and GM Craig Conroy or anything like that. I believe this decision and the reason why this deal between the Devils and Flames almost a month ago now was nixed actually came from above Craig Conroy. So when he says at the top of the organization that he has frustration with, well, it is exactly that. Hmm. Okay, so uh, I think about retained money and I think about owners having to pay for things that they don't actually get to see the direct benefit from and, and stuff like that starts to make sense. But I'm not going to yeah, point well, any fingers. It just You got to remember, it. too that Markstrom has two years left on his deal. It's yeah. not a very simple retained salary transaction. 
and it it will quite literally involve millions of dollars. Yeah, now for they, someone to play in, in another conference. That's got to be frustrating to palate for any manager, regardless of how they feel about you know. And that's not just sports. That's a, that's that would be anything. Uh, but there's no doubt that there's a makeover going on in Calgary. So if this ever was to happen, if not at the trade deadline, perhaps in the off season, I want to well, get to the analysis just quickly. Sure. Um, to to put a bow on the Markstrom part. Um, that is part of the analysis from Markstrom's side because he's a really competitive guy and he wants a chance to win. And he knows now that with the remake of the Flames that he's not going to have an opportunity to do so over those final two years of his deal. The Flames want to do right by that and they want to try and get him to a place where he can have a shot. Um, but there is the retained salary part of it. And, and I think in the meantime, in the back of the Flames' minds is... Look at the goalie market this summer. The free agent class is really thin. Maybe the best free agent goalie available this summer is Ilya Samsonov. We know the question marks he's had this year in Toronto. And if that's the case, then Calgary could have four or five teams eating out of the palm of their hand with the best goalie available in Markstrom. Mm -hmm. So a really no-lose situation for Calgary right now. You either have New Jersey pay up or you wait until the summer. Good leverage there that you just explained. We've got Frank Saravalli on the line right now. Let's hear your thoughts on Chris Tanev to Dallas. We knew he was going to move for sure, but we we had assumed a first rounder was going to come back. They don't have to include the first rounder in this deal, but when you think about a first rounder from a team like Dallas, who cares? I don't know. Like, what what was your analysis of this, and does it set uh, a bit a weaker of a precedent for that market that maybe Edmonton could be a buyer in? Not for Tanev, obviously, but for Plan B now. No, I don't think it creates a weaker market, and I've seen some people analyze it as such, and and I don't think that's fair because Tanev, to me, go back and read my market analysis from a month ago on dailyfaceoff.com. I said point blank, Tanev is a second-round pick all day long. He didn't vault into that first-round pick category. And in fact, the Flames did have a first-round pick on the table from one team, but it involved eating the contract of another player as part of the deal. That was the incentive to get from second to first. And it just wasn't something that Calgary was interested in doing. So they felt like they got a prospect in Ardem Grushnikov, if I can say that name correctly, (laughs) that they were excited about. And look, um, these trades are an imperfect science, but I, I think by and large, Calgary kicked it right through the uprights on the market of what Tanev would be. It makes sense to me seeing what he sold for just in relation to what he had uh, reportedly maybe have been able to fetch. It looked like they could, you know, could have fetched more, quote unquote, but you no. never know that. You don't know that don't because if they could have, the they would have. I really don't. I, I don't. I think that's that's a farce. And I think mm-hmm. what that is, is fans overrating the player. And and with all due respect to Chris Tanev, um, He's got he's 34 years old and he's got a really limited skill set. He he can help your team, but there's only a certain extent to which he can do that. So for a team like Arizona, who in all likelihood is going to offload Matt Dumba, uh, are they kind of looking at that saying, ah, you know, if they could have gotten a first there, that would have done a lot more for us in terms of selling our own asset. Let me tell you this right now: the Arizona Coyotes. Are, are doing peyote if they think that um, 
that Matt Dumba can bring a first round pick. <laughs> this guy lingered on the market until well into August as a free agent. The reason why the Minnesota Wild didn't trade him last year, do you want to know the true answer? They didn't get one single phone call. Wow. Don't let anyone steer you otherwise. Don't get lost in the spin cycle, Brendan, during this reporting process of what people say because they're dreaming in technicolor. There was... I I think there's a there's a better chance that Matt Dumba goes for a third or a fourth than he does for a first. Yeah, uh, that I, makes... I'm, not, I'm not convinced <laughs> that the that the Coyotes are getting a second round pick for Matt Dumba. I, I when I watch him play, I just I don't I don't get the impression that I would spend that kind of asset on somebody who I don't know about the commitment level, and that's probably why I didn't get signed a lot earlier. But again, that's just me guessing. Uh, I don't far... think it's commitment level with Dumba. I think he. He, he makes the same mistakes over and over again, which are a grand slam upper deck home runs. It's not that he doesn't have a skill set that's intriguing. It's that he can't put it all together. I don't know that there's anybody on the market right now, Frank, that has sort of a complete skill set per se. And I don't even know if that's necessarily what the Oilers need. To me, to to spend all of the bullets on one player would be a mistake in my eyes. And I don't really think that that's what Edmonton is going to do anyway. Um, But, you know, you're seeing them. uh, They were a finalist, as I understand it, with Tanov. What you wouldn't want to see happen if you're an Oilers fan is for this team to be a finalist with Nick Dowd and then a finalist with Adam Henrique. Like they're they're going to get in on one of these players, but I, I have Nick Dowd's name written down as sort of the bell of this year's ball. It seems mm-hmm. for another kind of uh, you know as a, just a contributor, but not a star by any means. I think that's exactly what the Oilers are struggling with with this market. And you're going to hear them linked to so many different players and so many different scenarios. And the reason for that is they're probably all true. It's that the, they're right now, they don't have any laser focus on any one target. There's a bunch of things that they'd like to do. And if possible, they'd like to try and do them in unison in one fell swoop that makes it clean from a cap perspective to do so and asset wise. So they still want to get a top six impact forward. I think that they've spent a while doing some due diligence on Pavel Buchnevich. I don't really think Jake Gensel is, is an option. Um, not that it, it couldn't happen. It's just that as a pure rental, I, I don't see them being in that mix because I, first off, they can't afford him. And second, I don't think that he would want to re-sign in Edmonton anyway. So, you know, in pencil, cross him off the list. And then you're looking at the rest of the group saying, okay, where are my top six forwards here that are readily available on the market? It's not a very deep one. So that's the one aspect of the deadline. The second part would be... It, uh, the Oilers in a perfect world would like to upgrade the top four of their defense. It's not really any secret that Cody Cece has struggled here the last little while for Edmonton. But to be able to do that, it's going to require some significant assets, which they're not against parting with. But I don't know that they feel like they've found the absolute perfect fit and upgrade. And then you mentioned Nick Dowd and the bottom of the lineup and how they'd like to fix that. 
maybe the course of action here is dealing with a team like Washington where you can check a few of those boxes. You might not get the giant difference maker that you're hoping for, but maybe you get someone that has some upside like an Anthony Mantha or a Nick Dowd in a package that includes a Joel Edmondson, for instance. I'm just purely spitballing and it's hypothetical, but Mm -hmm. I could see them spending in that type of mix because it, it makes sense you're checking a lot of the boxes. I will say this, though. The other financial component of this is is real in the sense that the Oilers have a little bit of cap space to play with and they've done a good job banking that throughout the course of this season but they're going to have to be very creative when it comes to adding roster players that have any sort of cap hit because it's once you get to a certain point past 2.3 million it's dollar in dollar out and the only way to do that for this team is to shave off roster players. I know. The phrase dollar in, dollar out is is nails on a chalkboard to this fan base, but it's a reality. We, we should have to go do a shot every time we say that. <laughs> I know. It's, it's something we'll else. We'll all be on the floor. A hundred percent. Hey, so Nashville is in an interesting spot right now because they've been playing like crazy and they've been picking up results and suddenly they're in, uh, you know, playoff position with uh, with a pretty decent buffer. Uh, But maybe, I mean, they've got all these assets. They could be buyers if they wanted to. I think three second round picks this year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You know, so you look at that and think, well, they want to make a push. They certainly could. Uh, what do you identify them as? Because we've heard of them as potential sellers prior to this hot streak. I would identify them as deadline neutral. Huh. I think it's um, very likely, I'd say a 75% chance, if not higher, that they trade Tyson Barry, old friend. And... I wouldn't be surprised if after the Calgary Flames ex- execute the Hannafin deal that Tyson Barry's on his way to Calgary to finish out that season. A nice sort of like, hey, this team has competed and they're in the mix. Give them a little something to help their playoff chase. And he's not seeing time right now in, in Nashville, and that part has been frustrating, I think, for a lot of people involved. That's one side. And the other side is of these UFAs that we were kind of talking about, for the Preds, you know, specifically Alexander Carrier and some others, they're they're not going to trade them. They're not going to trade Soros. But what they might do is add around the edges. Nothing expensive, but but I would say on the whole, when you balance out a Barry out the door and a small piece in. That's how I come up with deadline neutral. They're not sellers. They're not huge buyers. And they're really happy to be a playoff team if they can be one. Let's talk about Adam Henrique for a second here as we've got Frank Saravalli on the line from Daily Faceoff for our friends at uh, the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. So Henrique uh, is going to be a popular theoretical addition for, again, most competing teams. 30, what, 34-year-old veteran now. He's, he's been around a long time and, and I think can, uh, can contribute, certainly. Is, is this a player that, you know, is going to be one of the top I guess, targets for Edmonton and who else is going to be looking at him potentially creating that arms race? I think he's on the list. Well, I know he's on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how high he is on the list. They're intrigued, but there are 
obstacles and hurdles. We just talked about the money part of it, and Henrique is expensive. He's almost $6 million a year on the cap hit. And it's nice to not have any strings attached, but that's going to require some heavy lifting and some extra capital on the draft side to be able to bring in a third-party broker to make it all work. So there's that, plus... I, I like Henrique. I think he's a, a really smart player. He's also really, really slowed down. And that part, I think, needs to be considered. In a perfect world, Henrique is your third-line center on a cup-contending team. And everyone in Edmonton listening right now is nodding their head. They're like, yep, third-line center. I hear you. Keep going. Um, I, you know, I think he's able to outthink a lot of situations that he's in and because of that high hockey intelligence that he's able to really put himself in great positions to score and he's really reliable and I would say predictable uh, to co- the, a coaching staff which is really important so he'd be a smart addition but there's there's going to be work to do and the Ducks are looking for either a second and two thirds or a late first round pick plus something to to move the money. So they're they've got a pretty decent price structure set up to try and move Henrique and they're waiting the other competitors you asked about. One team in the mix for sure is the New York Rangers as they're trying to figure out their third line center spot. Uh, which has been vacated by Philip Hedel and his concussion. Yeah, and uh, we love Matt Rempe, but that's not—that's uh, a little too much too soon for him. Um, the some... Empire State Building—that's a good oh, fourth line. Oh, I love that! I love it. I don't know how you miss that uh, when he's playing in your own backyard for so long. Anyway, <laughs> Los Angeles and Vegas—more uh, so Vegas because we know now that Stone is out the rest of the season and perhaps the playoffs as well. Uh, do we have word on Adrian Kempe yet? whether this is going to enable them to make a bigger move it's it's not unfortunately for the kings he will be back at some point between now and the playoffs so they won't have that money to spend now that's not necessarily good news for edmonton because kempy's a menace when they play the oilers yes but for vegas are is this vault them into prime contendership for the likes of a gensel a bushnevich if he moves that kind of yes. thing totally yeah they they were after a winger before stone went down as i reported and they have confirmed now that Stone will be on LTIR and they will be able to spend that nine and a half million bucks. He will be back at some point in the playoffs, even though that part is questionable. This, I, I wasn't kidding and I'm certainly not carrying any water for the Vegas Golden Knights when I say that there's a lot of unpredictability that comes with this lacerated spleen. I do believe he had some internal bleeding as a result of the, the first injury and that can actually be quite significant in terms of a medical issue that players and teams have to deal with. So they don't know how long it's going to take to heal. They know that it will be, I think I was told at least three months on the short end of it. So probably sometime late April, early May, and we'll see if the golden Knights are still playing by that point. But in the meantime, they've got some money to spend and play with, and you know they're going to be aggressive. Oh, yeah, they always are. Frank, it's always great to have a chance to talk to you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. It's always great to drop a peyote reference. That was incredible. Yeah, I'm going to have to pull that one from the logger. Thanks, Frank.
<laughs> See you, Brennan. Frank Saravalli from uh, Daily Faceoff for the horses. Horse Racing Alberta. Again, it's chilly right now, but live racing coming back May 4th at Century Mile. For more, go to thehorses.com. It's not very chilly down in Dallas, like ever, I don't think. And that's where the next New West Travel Road Trip is headed this April. You'll watch the Oilers and the Stars do battle. This New West Travel Package includes your airfare, four nights at a deluxe hotel, a great game ticket, and a reception with Bob, of course. Complete your trip with an optional AT&T Stadium Tour and an American League Baseball game. Everything's bigger in Texas, including this road trip. Call New West Travel today or visit them at newwesttravel.com. We're calling a timeout. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30 Chad. Big George Larocque coming up after the 6 o'clock news to talk about the legend that is the Rempire State Building. Oh, yeah, I'm stealing that one from Frank. That was excellent. Matt Rempe, uh, he's, uh, well, he might have a dance on the card tomorrow night. He's got Ryan Reeves awaiting on Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, but should he have to take that? I'm sure he wants to, but should he have to? And what is that conversation like in the pregame warm-up? I'm sure George has had one of those conversations, whether he was the initiator of that or simply the one saying, sure. There's that famous sound-up of George saying, you want to go? Okay, good luck. (laughs) I mean, it's that simple, I guess, right? Or is it? We'll find out from the big man for sure when we get uh, in touch with him after a global news update from Randy Kilburn. Uh, quickly to the Oilers Now injury report, which is brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. They are healthy. Let's not jinx it, but they're healthy right now. The Oilers are anyway. And uh, hey, as far as the Seattle Kraken go, I guess I could tell you about the Kraken too. Quickly, as I meander my way through sportsnet.ca, peeling back the curtain on much of the show's production, I get a lot of information from sportsnet.ca. Yeah, Seattle injuries, none. They're clean too. That's obscure. The two teams heading into this game on Saturday afternoon will not have a single injured body, but we'll take it. Two o'clock puck drop. Randy has the news next. And then we've got big George LaRock for our friends at Conlon Motorsport.